I want everyone to stand with me as we recite the Lord's Prayer together, as we recite the Lord's Prayer. Remember, the disciples saw something about Jesus that they had never seen in another human being, and they saw that he had a very unique, special relationship with his Father, his Heavenly Father, one that they referred to as Yahweh, the Holy One, the God of Israel. And the way he talked to him, the, the way that he would spend time with his father was very unique. No one on planet earth had ever had that kind of relationship. And so they came to him and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And so then in response to that, he said, this is the manner in which you are to have a conversation with your heavenly father. So I want us to say this prayer all together. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This morning, my assignment to you, my assignment today is to talk to you on this idea, overcoming or deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from the evil one. I'm going to pray this morning. When you came in on your notes today, there was a, there was a, a place for you to go to our website and to download a prayer book. And this week, we begin a week of prayer and fasting as a congregation. We've taught on prayer for the last five weeks. And this week, we're going to conclude this series with the time we really focus our attention on God. We've gone back to school. And I know that this is kind of, there's times in life we need mid-course corrections. We just need adjustments. And as a church family and as a church community, several months ago, I felt the Lord speak to us, speak to me about leading you to go deeper in God in conversation, deeper in God in times of prayer and taking a deeper spiritual commitment with him. And so we're going to do that this week. Every night this week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, 7 p.m. right here in the auditorium. And then next Sunday night, we're going to finish with a time of worship and praise. And we're going to anoint everyone that wants to be anointed with oil. It's going to be a powerful, powerful time. But I just, I want to encourage you to open your hearts. I want to pray for you specifically today to hear not just with your ears, but God would open your heart to hear his spirit right in your soul. Father, thank you today for the amazing opportunity to once again to share your grace with these awesome people. Lord, uh, you are so kind and you are so gracious and you are so good and we love you today. Thank you, Lord, that your grace is here upon every person. You brought them, you draw. However they ended up here today, it was your grace that was upon them. Lord, that gave them the strength and the ability to get out of bed this morning and so I bless them today. I pray that they would not only have spiritual ears, but they would have a heart like Paul said. They would have the heart to understand. Their eyes are spiritual eyes would be enlightened to be able to see the reality of who you are, that you are a God that desires to deliver us from the evil one. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your grace. We love you, Jesus, in your wonderful name. Amen. You may be seated. September 11th, 2001. We will never forget we will never forget. Now, some of you maybe were born after this period that are in the room today, or maybe you were born just a couple of years before. You don't remember this, but for many of, us, many of us in this room, this is a day like Franklin Delano Roosevelt said about the Japanese bombing Pearl Harbor. This is a day that will go down in infamy. This is a day that I will never forget. I can tell you exactly where I was. I can tell you exactly what I was doing. I was with a group of other pastors that were on City Church staff at the time. City Church was about two years old, and our staff meetings at that time were held in our living room, and we were having conversation about the future and about what God's plan was for us, and all of a sudden... 
bam, it came to a, cree- a screeching halt. At around 10 a.m., I received a phone call that something had happened in New York City and that there were airplanes that seemingly went into the World Trade, World Trade Building. I couldn't believe it. I mean, I couldn't believe what I was hearing, and I turned on the television, and you know the story. Yeah, you know that there were 19, we know today that there were 19 young men that they had something inside of their heart. Uh, there was something inside of them that was willing to forsake their families, willing to forsake their futures, willing to forsake everything else for this one cause. And that was to perpetrate an act of war against another nation. As a matter of fact, it so rocked, it so shook this nation that for one moment, brief moment of time, the Republicans and Democrats could all agree on one thing. (laughs) Come on, for one moment. That we were under attack. Shockwaves reverberated throughout our culture. It was a riveting time in our culture. And questions began to be asked. So where did this kind of evil and how could this happen? And lots of pointing fingers and blame. But in that moment, we were confronted with the face of evil. Evil, it was a fruit of evil. It was, a, it, was a, it was the action of something that was inside of another person's heart. And as they begin to think about this action of these 19 young men who literally gave their life for their cause, it's hard for me to even fathom what they were willing to do. But in that moment, in that moment, that time, we went to war against what we thought was an ideology. But what I have come to discover, because I believe the scriptures, when the prophet Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 17, verse number nine, that the human heart is desperately wicked. Who can know how bad it really is? That it's not a war against an ideology. It's not a war against a faith. It's not a war against all these other kinds of things that we want to label it. There is a real spiritual war taking place in the heart of every person. It's the war of evil. It's the battle against evil. And when I come to realize that it isn't just the guy out there that has an evil heart, this guy right here by the name of Eugene Smith has an evil heart. As a matter of fact, Junior Smith, that's who I was when I was four years of age, had a really evil heart. I was a four-year-old little boy, and my mom and dad bought me a brand new pair of cowboy boots. Oh man, I was cool in my cowboy boots. I also got a new hat to go with it. I was a gunslinging, cowboy walking, four-year-old, tough kid. My mom said to me, she said, son, she said, listen, you got these cowboy boots. Now, these boots are not meant to kick anybody with. And you know immediately what a four-year-old wants to do when he's a tough guy now. And me, I went out and played with one of the neighbor kids, and I had a little tricycle, and he wanted to ride my trike, and I didn't want him to ride my trike, and a tussle ensued, and the cowboy boots went to working. Those cowboy boots were meant for stomping, and I had a little tussle with that little boy. You see, I was tempted. I remember very clearly at the age of four of being tempted to do evil, to disobey my mom, to hurt another. I remember it. Four years old, I had an evil heart. And I disobeyed. And as soon as that action was over, I felt so terrible. I was so ashamed. I went back into the house and I knew that my mom knew what I did. She didn't know what I had done, but I just knew I was so guilty. And the fact is inside of every one of us today, there's a struggle, there's a battle that we must learn how to overcome. We must learn how to pray this prayer. Lord, deliver us from evil. I, I got a few questions I want to ask you here because you know, sometimes we get into this. I heard a person, they had a person say recently, they said, well, I, I don't even know what sin is. I'm a good person. 
But you know what happened? They came to Christ not long ago, and the moment they came to Christ, they realized that what a dirty sinner they really were. I mean, we think we're better than other people, but if we get down to the core deep inside of us, all of us know there's something that's just bent to do wrong. There's a few questions I want to ask you today. Just a simple yes or no, little five-question test. Only you can answer this. Maybe your wife could answer it for you. Probably should just hand the card to your wife and let it answer your spouse or, or your kids. They'll be able to tell you, give you the truth on this. But number one, do you often feel defeated even though you're a Christian and you know you're going to heaven? Do you ever often live in a feeling of defeat? Or how about, do you find yourself committing the same sin over and over, even, asking, even ask, after asking God to take it away? Do you find yourself doing the same thing that you know you shouldn't do? You're like Paul in Romans 7, just the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. How about this one here? Do you struggle with anxiety? Are you stressed out all the time? Are you always tired? Do you have shame, nagging guilt in your life? Uh, do you have a dark, destructive, or uh, do you have dark, destructive, or evil thoughts that pop into your head that would, you would be ashamed to tell anybody else? Number five. Do you ever doubt God's love for you and his ability to provide for your life? If you've ever had any of these thoughts or these are something that in your life that you know you deal with, guess what? You need to learn this prayer. At City Church, we have a value. It's our very first core value. We say pray first. And what every person in this room, I believe God wants us to learn today is to learn this, to learn how to say this prayer. Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So what does this look like? What does this look like in our life? The first thing that I want you to hear today, the first thing that I want you to understand, not just with your mind, but also with your heart, is that God never tempts us to do evil. You gotta hear this today. God never tempts us to do evil. The word temptation here in the Greek has a connotation or the understanding of an enticement to do wrong, an enticement to do that which is wrong. Now, here's the problem with evil. Here's the problem we try to define evil. We want to put a name to it. You notice Jesus didn't put a name to the evil. He, he, didn't, he didn't say evil was terrorism. He didn't, he didn't name evil, uh, evil was drug addiction or wife abuse or child abuse or pornography. He didn't put a name to it. He said, deliver us from evil. Because what evil simply is in your life and my life is simply this making a choice that's contrary and opposite to the purpose and plan that God has established for you and I. Making a decision contrary to God's known will and purpose for our life. That's evil. Making a decision. Making a four-year-old boy knowing that it was wrong to kick another child did evil. I did evil in that moment. Here's the deal. It wasn't God that tempted me. Three sources of evil, three sources of temptation that come into our life. First one is the devil. The devil will tempt you. Satan will tempt you. There are demonic spirits and forces. I've lived long enough now. I've preached long enough now. I've had enough life experience now to know that there's a real live evil power, satanic power. I know that for sure. I've had encounters with him, encounters with evil forces, evil spirits. Let me tell you today, Satan hates you. If you give the enemy a millimeter in your life, he'll take a mile every time. He was a real life tempter. He was a tempter. He came to Jesus. He tempted him. He enticed Jesus to try to do opposite of what God's will was for Jesus' life, the Father's will. 
The second, the second place that temptation comes from, the enticement to do evil, is from your own heart. Your own bad heart. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. I never sinned. <laughs> yeah. As long as you breathe air, you're going to make choices in life. Here's the deal today. The third thing, the third thing, is it isn't just that it comes from within. There's a spirit There's a spirit of resistance, of evil in our culture. The Bible says that there's evil in our world. The spirit of the age lead us not into temptation. A a a mom has a little five-year-old child, a little five-year-old girl that is addicted to candy. You know, children love sweets. Little, little, little five-year-old girl is addicted to candy and it's got a problem with overeating candy and she eats so much candy and one day the, the mom's gonna have a small group and so she decides she's gonna make chocolate chip cookies for her small group and she's missing an ingredient. It's called chocolate chips. That's what, that, forget about the other stuff. I just want the chocolate chips. And so she has to go to the grocery store. She takes a little five-year-old child with her and, and as she's got to pushing the child up and down the aisles in the cart, she sees the candy aisle. And in that moment, she recognizes that her child has a real temptation towards candy. And she's just not sure what she's going to do if she goes down that aisle. And so what she does in that moment, she makes a decision. I'm not going to take little Susie down the candy aisle because that's too big of a temptation. I'm going to take her. I'm going to take her down this way. I'm going to get the chocolate chips later. I'm not going to lead her down to the place of temptation. I'm going to lead her away from temptation. When we pray, lead us not in temptation, we're saying, God, lead me away from things that bring destruction. Lead us away from things that cause evil. Lead us away from things that cause pain, not only in my life and the life of those around me. So first, God doesn't allow, God doesn't cause you to evil, to do evil. God doesn't even tempt you or entice you to do evil. But what God does and what God allows and what many times God causes are tests in our life. Everyone say test. Yes. This is just a test. The book of Isaiah chapter 48 says it like this. Hear this. You got to hear this today. Behold. Everyone say behold. behold. Listen up. God's saying this to you today. I have refined you. Test, trials, problems, pain, whether it's inflicted by someone else or whether it's by personal choices, however it comes into our world. God says, I have refined you. I have allowed tests to come into your life. Why? Because I want want you to be refined, not as silver, but I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. There's something that happens in our pain. There's something that happens in times and seasons of our life. My wife, walking through cancer in this very moment, this very day, we've experienced a test as a family. It's a test that we've experienced before. We don't like the test. Uh, we do everything we can to get away from the test. But the fact is, the test came into our world, and we had a decision to make. Were we going to blame God? Were we going to get angry? We're gonna, why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to Laura four times? It's not fair. God, we've given you our lives, and we've served the people. We could go all down that trail and become a bitter victim. But no, 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 no. 
No, we recognize that there's a furnace of affliction, that all these things that God has allowed to come into our life are for a greater glory. Paul the Apostle actually said it's to develop the spirit of perseverance so that we can finish to the end, so that we can run the race strong. we got a greater glory and a greater purpose. Come on. We choose today not to be bitter victims, but we choose to be better victors. Better victors. We choose joy. Oh, it ain't easy, folks. Come on. It's not easy. But we walk down this path and we understand there's a furnace of affliction and trials. God doesn't do it, doesn't allow it so that we might be destroyed, but so that we might become more like Jesus. The second thing that I want you to see today is that the goal of our prayer is obedience. Hear me today. Lead us not into temptation. The goal of this prayer is obedience, not my personal victory. I've processed this. I've talked, I think, Pastor Glenn. I I talked to my buddy over at Central Baptist Church about this this week. I talked to my wife and my friend in Canada. I've been processing this concept and idea because so much of my journey and my spiritual life is about my victory. And I've been confronted with this truth The fact is, sometimes we want things personally so bad for ourselves that victory is really about our own self-grandentizement. It's about our own self-betterment. It's about us looking better in front of other people. So many times we want victory, not because we want to obey the voice of God, not because we want a deeper relationship with the Lord, not because we want to be able to hear his voice more clearly, but because we, we want to be free. We don't want anybody to think that we have a weakness. I I, I know today that this is a challenge for all of us at some point in our spiritual journey. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, there's a story about a guy by the name of Saul. He was a king. He was a great king. He was actually the first king of Israel. And God had anointed him. God had empowered him. God had called him to lead the children of Israel. This ragtag group of 12 tribes, God called this man Saul to bring them together and to be able to lead the children back into the promise that God had for him and to the holy city by the the name of Jerusalem. Saul had a destiny. Saul had a call and a purpose on his life. He started out strong, but along the way, he, he experienced the test that many of us experience in life. He he found that he, he liked the praises of people. He liked, the, he liked the, the people tell him, hey, pastor, you did a good job. Or, hey, you're really successful. Hey, you made a lot of money. You got a nice house. You got a nice car. He loved to hear the praises of other people about what he had done, what he had accomplished, what he had made happen. Oh, he, it was all about Saul. Him being king became all about Saul. <laughs> it's not what about Saul. It's all about Saul. And Saul was confronted with the decision. He was supposed to go to battle. God had a plan for him. God had very clear instructions for him that had come through the prophet Samuel. And Saul waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and waited. And Samuel didn't show up. And and he wasn't sure if he was supposed to go. So finally, he makes a decision. He's just going to go and do it himself. He's going to offer the sacrifice. And he's going to send his guys into war. He's going to let them do what they want to do. Completely disregarding the word of God. He took it. He, he lived the Frank Sinatra life. If you're not old enough to know who Frank Sinatra is, just Google him. You'll find out later. But there's a famous song that Frank used to sing, I did it my way. And he lived that kind of life. He did it his way. And then he was confronted. He was confronted one moment. First Samuel 15, 22. The prophet Samuel comes to him and he confronts him. And Saul admits that he did wrong. 
Saul admits that he messed up. Saul admits that he screwed up. Saul admits that he was doing life his way. He knows he was wrong. But this is what Samuel said to him. Samuel said, does the Lord delight in your burnt offerings? Does the Lord delight in you trying to do all these good works so that people think you're all that? That you're wealthy, that you're spiritually successful, that your family has it all together? Oh, oh. does the Lord delight in that? As much as obeying the voice of the Lord. To obey is better than all your sacrifice, all your performance, all your looking good in front of other people. Because see, obedience is about this today. Obedience is about having a relationship with the Father. I, I know today that as God begins to make this shift in our hearts and our lives, we, we, we recognize that there's some struggle inside of us. It's a hindrance and it's a block. Why do we want to be free? Why did we join a freedom group? Why do we go to these different ministries, AA or Celebrate Recovery? Is this so that we can get better? Why do we go to marriage counseling? Why do we do all these different kinds of things? Why do we do it? Why do we really do it? Because we don't want the pain of our choices? Yes, that's partially true. But is it because we really want to have a closer relationship with God? To have confidence in our Savior? To know that when we come to him and pray to him, that he hears our prayers? And see, for you today and for me today, we must understand that this thing, this prayer, is not about our personal victory, but about obeying the Lord. To obey God to walk in relationship with him. The Bible says that Jesus learned to obey. He learned to obey the will of the Father through the th- things that he suffered. He made a choice. He made a choice to humble himself, to submit himself, to come under the dealings of this life, and that dealing for him would be the death of a cross. The sinless son of God, the one who never made a mistake, the one who never got sick, the one who was the lamb of God, who was slain before the foundation of the world. He knew his destiny, and he chose to walk in perfect obedience to the Father. He laid the example out for you and I today, because the desire of God today is for you to live free. But how do you do this? How does this happen today? You know how it happens today? It happens because not, you, not, not by you pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and I made a decision and I'm like, no, 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 no. God has a power. God has something greater. You see, there's a problem. There's a power that's available. And in John chapter 14, Jesus is talking to the disciples and he's teaching them about this relationship it's one of the most powerful, it's one of the powerful passages in the Bible of what it is to have a conversation with God, what it is to be in right relationship. And Jesus talks about prayer, and he talks about what we can expect and receive in prayer. And this is what he says to his disciples. He says, if you love me, if you love God with all your heart, you will obey me. You'll keep my commands. You see, the desire to obey is out of relationship. It's not out of rules. It's not so much about, I do all the rules and I do these three steps and then I got freedom. No, no, no. It's about, I have a heart and it's bent towards God. And I want to know today that when I come to my heavenly father, bold before the throne of grace, I have the confidence and the assurance that whatever I ask in his name, he will do. But when we're not in obedience, when we're living lives of guilt and shame and failure and frustration and we're still living kind of in that tension, guess what? We don't have that confidence. And then Jesus says, I will ask. I will ask the Father and he will give you another, an advocate. 
The word advocate, there is parakletos. It means one who's been called to come alongside of you. He is the Holy Spirit of God. And the matter of fact, the Bible says that same Holy Spirit of God who's been called to come alongside of you, he will lead you, he will guide you, he will direct you into all truth. You know why? Because he's the same spirit and the same power that when Christ Jesus went to the cross on, at Calvary on the third day, it was that spirit of God, that spirit of truth, that advocate, the God who is all powerful, he rose Christ from the dead. And because he rose Christ, Christ from the dead. You have the ability today to live a life of obedience, to be led away from temptation so that you can experience deliverance from the evil ones. God wants you to be free. God wants you free. But it all starts with the heart. It all starts with your heart right here. It all starts with understanding today that this thing about obeying God is about relationship. It's not about rules. It's not about regulations. It's today's because I want to know him. I want to know him. And like Paul said, it isn't just to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. We like to know him and the power. We want miracles. We want signs. We want wonders. We want God to do for me, give to me, show me, bless me, help me, make me. Come on. That's what we want. Oh, ho. Paul added something, a little qualifier there. The power of his resurrection and the fellowship to be in communion, to know what it is, to have the Holy Spirit sustaining you. When you're walking through a bad diagnosis, listen, I've sat there just several weeks ago listening to the doctor tell me, tell my wife, it's worrisome. We're concerned it doesn't look good. Prognosis doesn't look well. Let me today tell you that you have to make a choice in that decision. Who's going to be your source? Are you going to try to dig down within yourself? Are you going to go to a bottle? Are you going to find a pill? Are you going to go to the television, the internet? I mean, are you going to find some? No, no, no. You got to know in that moment there's something stronger. He is the Holy Spirit of God. He is the advocate, the spirit of all truth. Oh, and the last thing you got to hear today is that God, God wants you to live a life of freedom. He wants to deliver you from the evil one. But this is what must happen. You re must renounce. You must renounce your past. Everyone say renounce. renounce. You must renounce your past and focus on your future. And it's not just renouncing our past. Because so much of, re of asking God to forgive me of this and that and this is still all about me. The moment we turn that shift and that focus from our past failures and our past mistakes onto a bigger plan, our future, that's when God begins to supernaturally work in our life. That's when we begin to experience the leading into all truth. That's when we begin to experience the Holy Spirit coming alongside to be our comforter in our weakest moments. When we don't feel victorious, we don't think we can take another step. We don't think that we can live over in victory over the enemy and his temptations. No, it starts right here, renouncing our past, renouncing the things that have bound us, that have kept us strangled, that have kept us broken inside. In Acts chapter 18, there's a powerful passage. Uh, can you put the scripture verse up for me, please? That helped me out there. Acts chapter 19, there you go. Acts chapter 19, 18. But there's a story, and the story is this. The gospel, the good news, the message of Christ is exploding all over, all over the Roman Empire. 
And in the community in Ephesus, there is a, a group of Christians that go there and begin to preach the gospel. And Ephesus was a city just like most modern cities. It was people with all kinds of religious practices and ideologies and philosophies. And people going to, you know, had magic. People went to their, uh, they got their, you know, the palms read. They did tarot cards and horoscopes. People had all kinds of different spiritual beliefs. Some believed in something. Some didn't believe in anything. They had all kinds of sexual practices. Everything was just kind of open. They were a free-loving group. Whatever anybody wanted to do. And then the gospel the good news, the message of Jesus comes to that city and begins to rock it and begins to shake it. And people that were bound, people that were addicted, people that were broken, people that were believing wrong thoughts and wrong ideologies and wrong philosophies about who God was, begin to instantly experience freedom. I mean, powerful freedom. The, the freedom became so powerful that they recognized that there was something in them that wasn't right. What happens when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, he convicts you. Everyone says, says convict. Come on, say convict. Four-year-old Junior Smith was convicted by the Holy Spirit not to kick the other child. The Holy Spirit will tell you, don't go there. He'll, he'll speak to you, don't do that. Hear me today. Be careful of the pathway you choose. Be careful of the rut that you find yourself in. Because the tendency is for us to be in it for the next 95 miles of our journey. Be very, very careful. Very careful about the decisions and the places that you go and the people you hang out with and the playthings that you accept into your life as practices, as normal practices. Be very careful. In Acts chapter 19, God came. Holy Spirit came. People were being born again. I mean, people were being set free. They were worshiping the one true God, the God who had made them, the God who had created them, the God who had plan and purpose and destiny for them, the God who had revealed himself through his son, Jesus, the God who desired to live inside of them by his Holy Spirit. Lives are being changed. And look what happens here. Look what the Bible says. Now, many who became believers confessed. Everyone say confessed. They confessed their sinful practices, their evil deeds, and a number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. Yes. You know what they did? They cut off. They got rid of their old way of living. Yes. For, for many of these people, it had to do with the magic arts. Don't tell me there is white magic. Don't tell me there is good magic. There is no good magic. Every source of magic has a power behind it, a spiritual entity, and it comes from the evil one. His name is Satan. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. He's a murderer, and he's come to kill, steal, and to destroy your life. If you're a believer today, I encourage you, don't mess around with your horoscopes. Don't do tarot cards. It's just all nonsense. It's nonsense. It's a lie. It comes from the father of lies who wants to rob you of spiritual life and power. Why would you study the stars and try to figure out the alignment of the stars for your life when well, you can go straight to the one who made the stars today? Come on, why would you do that today? Oh, there's a greater source. There's a greater power. Oh, he leads you in all truth. You don't need that. There's a greater power. They begin to confess their sins. So the first thing I want you to see is they begin to renounce their sins. They forsook them. Confession is a powerful thing. Confession is a powerful thing. The Bible says in the book of James chapter 5, if we confess our faults, so first thing we see that they cleaned house. They got rid of, they made some decisions about people, places, and playthings. They cut them off. They weren't going to do that any longer. 
They cleaned house. They got rid of those things. The second thing that they did is they confessed. The Bible says confess our sins, our faults, our evil deeds one to another. Pray for one another that we might be healed. God wants to heal you today. God wants to restore your soul. But it starts with confession. First of all, confessing to yourself that you got a problem. Confess that you got stuff going on in your life and in your world. We, we got to get real. All of us in this room, and there isn't a person in this room that doesn't have a hurt. There isn't a person in this room that doesn't struggle with a habit. There isn't a person in this room that doesn't struggle with doing things that they shouldn't. Everyone in this room, come on, if you're born on planet Earth and you're human and you're breathing air, you're going to be making choices your whole life. And so we confess to ourselves. But here's a powerful thing. When we confess our sins, we secondly, we confess them to God. Confess your faults to God. Confess your sins to God, the Bible says, and he will forgive. And so as we confess, we get real with ourselves. We confess to the God of heaven who can cleanse us from all of our wrongdoing. There's a third component here. It's a component of finding another brother and sister in Christ and really get honest with them. I have what I call bare wire. Everyone say bare wire. You know what bare wire is? It's taking the plastic off. It's taking the mask off. Come on. If you're an electrician, and I'm not an electrician, but I've, I've hooked up some electrical appliances once or twice in my life, and I've had to strip the wire. I've had to make it bare. And get down to that copper. Get down to the real. Get down to the real thing. Every person in this room has to be in relationship, in community. They confess their faults in the Book of Acts. It says they confess their faults to other believers. We confess our faults to one another. Every person in this room, as we get into community, we find ourselves with a necessity to get into a small group. You see, at City Church, we want everyone to know God. I want every person in this room today to have a personal relationship with him, to live free, to live John 10. For the thief has come to steal, but God, the Lord Jesus, has come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. I want that for every person here today. Tonight at 5 o'clock, we have growth track. It's your next step. It's your next step. You've been around here for a little bit, and, and you're really not in community yet. Maybe you attend a church, but you're not really being the church. You're not part of the family. Tonight at 5 o'clock is your night. The second thing we believe for every person is that God wants you to live free. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We come clean with ourselves. Come on. A clean house. We get real with ourselves. We confess our sin to God, and then we get in community in small groups with other people. I want you to see this story of a woman in our church that found powerful freedom as she got into community. Check this out. My default is anger because my father's side of the family is so angry. As I was doing freedom and we were called up to pray about that, I thought, this is exactly, I feel in my spirit, this is what God wants me to do. When as soon as I said, oh, anger is my default, they said, let joy and laughter be your default. And I thought, that is so God, because we serve this God of love, peace, happiness, and joy. And I, to, to make that my default was almost like rewiring myself. I loved how well with the book itself, the workbook was written. I loved that it didn't go over my head. I, I didn't have to be a theologian to understand it. I just needed to be real. It's just really cool to see people grow in freedom. 
It is perfectly named, Freedom. Come on, give Ivy a big hand. She found freedom. Man, she had some, her default was anger. She got into a group, and man, she's finding freedom in that group from that thing that wants to control their life, angry at her kids, her family, whatever it was. But it isn't just renouncing your past. It's focusing on your future. Here, here's the thing. It isn't just enough to get rid of something. You've got to replace it with something else, something of greater value. And your future and your destiny is great today in God. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, I press on towards the mark. I press on towards the mark, towards the high calling that is in Christ Jesus. We're always moving forward, and we're always moving upward. Everyone say forward. Everyone say upward. How we do that today is discover our purpose. Discover our purpose. We know God. We're finding freedom. We discover the reason that we're created today while we're here on this planet. Do you know your why? Do you know why you're here? Do you know what your mission is? You have a mission. You have an assignment. God, yes, he wants the best for you, but your life was created to be a blessing to others. We dedicated Benjamin to the Lord today. His life was created to be a blessing to other people. Your life has been created by God to be a blessing to others. I want you to close your eyes. You're here today, and, and this message really rang home. God's been speaking to you today. I don't know what's going on in your life. I know today that the tempter would come because of our own choices, because we've given in. But many of us in this room today have found ourselves being led down the pathway of temptation, trapped in the forces of evil. God wants you to know you come to the right place. He wants you to be free. I believe that with all my heart today. I believe today there's something, the reason that you're here and you listen to my voice, something rose up and said, you know what? I want that. I want that relationship. I want to obey my father. He's a good father. He has good gifts. I want to obey him today. Today, some of us in this room need to put our past behind us, past bitterness, past pain, and we need to focus on our future. If you're here today and God's speaking to your heart, you say, you know what? That's me, Pastor. I need God to help me refocus my life on my future right now in Jesus' name. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Come on in this room right now. Come on in this room, all across this room. All across this room. Come on, don't miss this moment. God's speaking to hearts all across this room. You put your hands down today. We're going to stand together, congregation. I want us to take just this moment and before God, before God in this moment, gotten honest with yourself, I want you to take just a moment and reflect on your heart. I'm going to pray right now for every person that raised your hand. And I'm going to pray right now that you will have a fresh reality and sense that God desires to bring freedom to your life. Forgiveness of sin, but freedom with the focus for your future. Father, today, I pray for every person in this room every person, the sound of my voice, God, I pray that you'll bring freedom to their life. Thank you that, God, you give us the ability, the power, the strength. Thank you that it's not within ourselves, but it's by your power, by your spirit that enables us to live free today. God, bless your people. God, I pray for those who raised their hand, who got honest in that moment. They got honest with themselves, but they also got honest before you. I pray, Lord, that you will give them the grace and the strength to leave here changed. God, leave here encouraged, built up, knowing that you're the God who forgives us, but also helps us to refocus on the purpose that you have for us. God, bless today. Strengthen today. 
in the wonderful and the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Can you lift your voice? Come on. Let's lift our voice to God. Let's begin to worship him today.